0: It is good to see all of you here today. I was a bit concerned that the uh, coming storms and rain would keep all of you away, but that you're here. Uh, You want to make sure the roof doesn't leak, I know. But I'm glad you're here and we're, we're all together today. And if you're visiting with us, we're delighted to have you here. Hope that you'll be back to worship with us on many, many future occasions. Um, We want to thank everyone who helped with the Easter egg hunt yesterday. It was a lot of fun, and thanks to everyone who brought candy for the prize eggs. This reminder to the children, Sunday night program will meet during our regular times tonight from 5.30 to 7. But we will not meet next Sunday so that everyone can spend time with their families on Easter. Uh, Adults, please make sure that you mark your calendars and plan to attend the next monthly Wednesday supper, which will be on Wednesday, April the 7th. That's the Wednesday after Easter at 5.30 in the social hall, and there will be activities for the children following the meal. We hope to see all of you there. This is a catered meal, so you don't have to bring anything, which is a uh, a nice change for us. Um, Also, hope that you are planning to to be here four weeks from today, uh, four weeks from this weekend, rather, for the uh, Hope, Inspiration, Salvation Weekend. His weekend um, begins on Friday night, the 23rd of April at 7 o'clock, with uh, the praise band leading the music and guest speakers, including former athletic director of Dorman. Dale Evans and Walford College head coach um, Mike Ayers. The weekend continues on Saturday, the 24th at seven o'clock in the Family Life Center, and that is when Grammy Award winning recording artist will be here live. It's Jason Crabb. Tickets may be purchased online at GreerChurch.com or if you will go to Dobson's Gifts or The Clock or LifeWay, you can buy tickets there. And then four weeks from today on Sunday, the 25th of April, um, we will have a 10 o'clock worship hour that day, one service with my friend Dr. Jim Nates with us. So we, hopefully you're hearing this enough now that you're beginning to get this marked on your calendars and will plan to be here. Now I have to go to the Waffle House to get my news. Even if it's church news, I find out at the Waffle House. I went to the Waffle House this week, and Chuck Wallace said, "Well, I guess you've heard. Well, no, I hadn't. That child of this church, Susan Leonard Ray, is the new district superintendent of the Anderson District, effective uh, end of June. Uh, Warren and Shirley, we share your pride uh, in that wonderful uh, acknowledgement Susan has done just." A wonderful job in every appointment she's had, and we know she's so deserving to be one of our our state leaders. So we're proud about that. Three other new district superintendents have been named and are on the state website, um, umcsc.org, and they're all friends of mine. So I sure I'm glad I'm getting close to retirement. I don't want to be in their hands. Uh, but anyway. Uh, it's an exciting time as we see these things happening and we celebrate that. Um, Thursday night, we have Maundy Thursday service. Hope that you will be here for that. I want to invite the children in a minute to join me in the back in the North X area. We're going to make sure we all have um, palm branches. And during the opening song, the children uh, will parade around several times and we will end up, children, coming on up here for the children's sermon. So rather than going back to your seats with your parents, we'll, we'll just all come up here and uh, join Harriet Johnson uh, for the children's sermon. So this time I invite the children to meet me in the back as we begin our time together in worship. Amen.
1: You all this morning. What have you got there, Sarah? A pom pom. Have another pom pom. Shake your pom pom. Eli, what have you got? Can you blow it? Okay. Good job. All right, Caroline. Just blow yours gently. A little harder. I'm sorry. Usually, it's, it makes a noise, doesn't it? Why do we use these pom poms? and blow those these noisemakers well it's palm sunday did the when jesus was coming down the street did they have pom-poms to put up in the air and shake no what did they have palms so it is palm sunday because as jesus down the street they wave the palms okay (laughs) probably going to come. Why do we shake the pom poms? What do we want to? Because
2: s- it's Palm Sunday.
1: Well, when yes, we do today. Pom poms for Palm Sunday. Yes, I had not thought about that. That because was the truth. About God. Yes, we want to let God know that we are excited. Hey. Oh, there it goes. <laughs> okay, <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay. Thank you. That you got a good one. in. <clears throat> it's fun to cheer for someone. These orange pom-poms, do you you think they are orange for a reason? Why would people use the orange ones? Because God loves us. He does. He does. And when we use pom-poms, we're cheering for somebody that we like and we want to celebrate. We celebrate victories. We celebrate how much we are praising Jesus or a team. Do you think Jesus wants us to be on his team? Yes, he does. Now, what can we do? We're on Jesus' team. Let's say that we don't have a pom-pom, or we don't have a palm branch, or we don't have a horn. What can we do to let Jesus know that we're praising him? Where is Julia? Over there, in the box. yes. I have a real pom-pom at home for tigers. For the tigers, very good. Julia? (laughs) we can wave our hands and say that we love Jesus. What else can we do can that we, we can pray to him?
2: Or do you we think can just be
3: good?
1: Uh, that's right. We could just be good. Mm-hmm. And that would show people that we love Jesus and can, we can want my them. The
3: she, she
1: did all oh, right. Um we want people to know that we love Jesus and just by being good, they will know that and by praying and by being here in church they will know that when jesus was coming down the street there was the bible tells us in john the people the next day the great crowd that had come for the feast heard that jesus was on his way to jerusalem they took palm branches and went out to meet him shouting hosanna blessed is he who comes in the name of the lord Blessed is the king of Israel. And we will hear that over and over today in the service, in the music from Reverend Arthur. We'll hear it next week. Hosanna, because we want to praise Jesus. Let's praise him with a prayer. Bow your heads. Dear Jesus, we want to make you Lord of our hearts and lives. We want everyone around us to know that you're number one in our lives. Thank you for loving us. Amen. You can leave your palm right there.
0: it is any church that has children in it. I'm telling you, that's great. The, um, the book of Psalms was a song book uh, once upon a time. Still is today in some churches. And uh, what we have in Psalms 24 is uh, an antiphon where you had two groups singing. One would ask the questions and the other side would, would answer in song as they were walking along usually as pilgrims. And so we certainly see that in Psalm Twenty-four verses 7 through 10 lift up your heads you gates be lifted up you ancient doors that the king of glory may come in who is this king of glory the lord strong and mighty the lord mighty in battle lift up your heads oh you gates lift them up oh you ancient doors that the king of glory may come in who is he this king of glory The Lord Almighty, He is the King of glory. Here ends the lesson. Our responsive reading is Psalm 118 on page 839. I invite you to turn to that page and stand as you're able as we share this passage of Scripture together responsively. The Lord is my strength and my power. The Lord has become my salvation. Of in the, of the, the right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. Right Lord I shall not die, but I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. Open to me the gates of righteousness that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord,
3: the right shall
0: through it. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone
3: is filled with rejected has become the
0: cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing, it is marvelous in our eyes. Save us, we beseech you, O Lord. O Lord, we beseech you, give us success. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God who has given us light. We the of the You are my God, and I will give thanks to you. You are my God, I will extol you. Our epistle reading is from the book of Philippians, chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, to the glory of God the Father. Here ends the lesson. time in prayer. Let us remember folks who need our prayers today. I think we have one person in the community, our our church family, who's in the hospital, and that is Mary Hudson LaChapelle. Uh, We'll still be at the hospital for a few more days, but is doing very well. Uh, Let us remember these folks that we have been mentioning in recent weeks uh, and are listed there in your bulletin in our prayers. And I invite you to join me as we begin our time in prayer with a prayer of confession that is printed there uh, in your bulletin. Let us pray. O merciful Father, in compassion for your sinful children, you sent your Son, Jesus Christ, to be Savior of the world. Grant us grace to feel and to lament our share of the evil It made it necessary for him to suffer and die for our salvation. Help us by self-denial, prayer, and meditation to prepare our hearts for deeper penitence and a better life. And give us a true longing to be free from sin through the deliverance won by Jesus Christ, our Redeemer. Amen. Lord, we are thankful for your forgiveness. We're thankful that you lead us to look within ourselves and to see the need to repent and the need to grow and change. And we're grateful that you give us both forgiveness and strength and that you raise us up from the deadness of our sinful ways to new life. And we're truly grateful for every Easter day that we have when we are raised to new life and forgiven. We're thankful for this Palm Sunday that reminds us that Jesus rode into Jerusalem to clearly proclaim so everyone could see that he was their Messiah. We're thankful that Jesus challenged people on Palm Sunday to make some decisions. We're thankful that many people that day saw that Jesus was the Messiah and hailed him as their King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We're thankful also that there were some in the crowd that did not at that time become followers of Christ. Some of them even participated in the crowd that led Jesus to his crucifixion, yet we're, we celebrate, Lord, that Jesus prayed for them, that you would forgive them, and many of them became followers of Jesus in the months following the cross, and for this we're grateful. It gives us hope, Lord, because we know that we've not always responded immediately or with the first bunch of believers when you have come to us to say follow me. We're thankful that you give us second chances and that some of us later on down the road came to an awareness of your love for us and we became followers of you perhaps later on in life and it is wonderful that you continue working on us like that. We pray that the song of those disciples on Palm Sunday might continue to ring in our hearts and minds, and that we might go into our world to proclaim Hosanna. Here is the one that has come in the name of the Lord, and that we might so live our lives that people will see that Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. We do remember our friends in special times of need. We lift up to you the folks in our community and congregation who need your loving care and your healing touch this day we pray for them that you would strengthen them in body and mind and soul and we pray for them and we pray for all of us in the name of Jesus who taught us to pray saying our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done Our gospel reading from Luke chapter 19, verses 29 through 44. As he approached Bethpage in Bethany at the hill called Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Tell him, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owners asked him, why are you untying the colt? They replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. Here ends the lesson. I'm glad we all today learned about Pom Pom Sunday. I believe those are Clemson colors. That was the only uh, irregularity about Palm Palm Sunday. But uh, somehow we knew that the Palm Sunday parade was inevitable. Sooner or later, people would take up the song first sung by the angels. Glory to God in the highest. Peace on earth. Goodwill to all people. This is really how we expected the story of Jesus to culminate, with him riding victoriously into the nation's capital, being crowned king of kings and lord of lords. But that's not exactly how the story ended. The road to the throne for Jesus led first to a cross and an empty tomb. Someone has pointed out the fact that there are so many Old Testament passages that Jesus fulfilled during his lifetime, that the chance of one person fulfilling all of them is indeed astronomical. And most of them were beyond his control, humanly speaking. Babies don't decide where they are to be born or who their parents will be. That's a decision made by parents and God. Baby Jesus didn't decide to seek refuge in Egypt or later to live in Nazareth. Both fulfillments of words of scripture. But the Palm Sunday parade was a different matter. In this case, Jesus did have the power to control these events. And so he purposely and intentionally set out to fulfill the words of Zechariah 9.9. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem, see your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle in riding on a donkey on a colt the foal of a donkey <clears throat> after months of discouraging his followers from calling him messiah here we see jesus apparently changing his mind and acting in a way that's very different unmistakably proclaiming himself as a king as he purposely set out to fulfill the scripture The the detailed planning that went into this parade is evident from the story itself. Jesus had apparently made arrangements with friends in a nearby village for a very young colt to be tied to a hitching post. He and those friends had even prearranged a password to ensure that the colt was being taken by the correct disciples and not by some thieves. If anyone asks you why you're untying it, Jesus said, tell him, The Lord needs it. And it wasn't just any old horse. It was a young colt. One not yet broken for riding. In the grand scheme of things, isn't it an interesting thing that something as relatively insignificant as Jesus' transportation plans would be given such a prominent place in Luke's telling of this story? Reverend Craig Barnes of the National Presbyterian Church in Washington, D.C. says, Jesus had clearly spent time preparing for this day. He knows exactly what type of colt he wants, one that has never been ridden. He knows exactly where the colt is. Now, I have had a lot of fun the last two or three weeks asking various people, Why in the world would Jesus want an unbroken colt? ride upon. Now, Penny loves horseback riding. I tolerate it. When we used to go horseback riding with our children when they were in elementary school, I would watch. They always wanted a real young, pretty, spirited horse. I always asked for the tiredest, oldest horse that they had. The children would go for a horse that would gallop, and I Watched on several occasions as Penny has been thrown off of those galloping horses. Not me. Give me a horse that understands the meaning of that threatening term, glue factory. Why would Jesus want to ride on a very young, unbroken colt? I asked some of my preacher friends and got some interesting answers, a few of which I can repeat. One of them said that the reason the gospel writers included this fact is for its meaning. For someone as special as Jesus, nothing but a brand new, never-ridden-on colt would do. Maybe some significance there. Another one said that the meaning is that none of us is really ready for life until we've been broken in properly by Jesus. I think that'll preach. But the best response came from our own Ralph Johnson. Now, Harriet, I absolutely, absolutely hate it when Ralph is right. It makes me want to sneak up behind him and draw a smiley face on his bald head. But Ralph said to me that Jesus wouldn't have had any trouble riding an unbroken horse because the same Lord who could silence a storm could still a storm on the Sea of Galilee from a boat. Would have no trouble calming down the rage within an unbroken cult. That's a good answer, and that'll preach big time. This makes the choice of a cult another opportunity for Jesus to display his awesome power over nature. It's another miracle in addition to fulfilling the word of prophecy. So, on what we call Palm Sunday, Jesus decided to make it very clear as he claimed very openly to be the Messiah, the king, the one who was blessed because he came in the name of the Lord. His choice of a young cult fulfilled the prophecy of Zechariah, but it also displayed his power over nature. The one who had legions of angels at his command, ready to come to his rescue if he summoned them, the one who had power to rise from death and to raise us all from death, also had the power to make rocks and stones shout out loud if he had chosen to do that also. Another detail in this story that I find interesting is that at the start, we're told that the parade involved primarily Jesus' disciples. When Jesus came to the place where the road went down the Mount of Olives, we are told that he was accompanied by a whole crowd of disciples who then broke out in singing, giving God praise for the miracles that they had seen Jesus perform. It's a good thing for us to remember that while Jesus had an inner circle of 12 trusted friends and disciples who helped him with things every day, he was often accompanied by a large number of other disciples, men and women that traveled around with him from place to place. So often when Jesus arrived at a place to teach and to heal, this large crowd of disciples also showed up to sing and worship God. The people of the local community who came out to hear Jesus found themselves in the midst of a lively crowd of believers who were singing God's praises. And you know, it's always exciting and inviting to be with a crowd of lively believers. On Palm Sunday... More people were added to that parade the further it traveled. But it started out with just followers of Jesus. People were attracted to that lively congregation. Have you ever stopped to think about the implication this is for you and for me and the importance of our coming together to worship God? Even if we don't personally need the hymns or the scriptures or the sermon for our own personal spiritual needs. We still need to be present so that others can feed their souls off of the energy of our worship. There may be some here today who are searching for God. What if they came and found themselves alone or else surrounded by people who seem to care nothing about worshiping God? There may be some people here looking to be committed to Christ and they're looking for people committed to christ more than they're looking for good music or a good sermon they're looking for you may god help us to worship him in this place with such integrity and spirit that others who come to be a part of our worship will want to join in our song of praising god but not everyone liked the palm sunday parade it was too noisy for some folks The Roman cops might hear the racket and think that we're disturbing the famous Pax Romana, the strictly enforced peace of Rome. Soldiers might come and they might overreact and take away the few remaining liberties that the citizens of Jerusalem still had. And then too, since Jesus had always insisted that he was just a rabbi, The Pharisees wanted Jesus to hush that crowd that was proclaiming him to be more than a rabbi that day. They were proclaiming him to be the king. And they wanted this hushed before the authorities arrived. This is where we get another glimpse of just how differently Jesus is, is behaving there at the end of his ministry. No, he won't silence the crowd because they're quite correct. The king was coming to town. The long-expected Messiah was here. It was such an important moment to God that if the people got quiet, you might be able to hear rocks singing. Jesus clearly wanted it to be known that he was God's promised Messiah. Being called Messiah earlier in his ministry would have closed some doors for him to be in ministry. But now at the very end, with the certainty of crucifixion just a few days away, Jesus wanted everyone to know just who he is and the place in our lives that he was claiming. So Jesus made careful, detailed plans for his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. He wanted those with biblical knowledge to see that he was acting out something that proclaimed him to be the king his power over nature. In this instance, the wild nature of an unbroken animal was testimony of who he was. The disciples walked behind and along beside Jesus, singing praises to God, bringing others into their fellowship of hope. It was such an important moment on God's calendar that if the people hadn't been singing, nature would have had to take up the song. At the end of the parade, Jesus' mood changed very dramatically once again. This time it appears that he is engulfed by grief and sorrow, for Jesus well knew what the future held for his beloved city. He knew that in just a few decades, Rome would lose all of their patience with the people of Judah, surround the city with an army, and tear the city apart, including the temple. The destruction would be such that no stone would be left standing on another. The people would be thrown to the ground and trampled, even the children. It was enough to make a grown man cry, and that's exactly what Jesus did at the end of the Palm Sunday parade. He began weeping over the city that he loved, crying inconsolably. Now that would have gotten your attention in mind that day if we'd been in that crowd. The festive mood of a victory processional suddenly became the mournful mood of a funeral procession. The spiritual blindness of the people was evidenced in the fact that they just didn't recognize who Jesus was. They didn't recognize the time of God's coming to the city of Jerusalem. They had no idea what it took to make peace in their hearts. They thought that peace could be attained with a pact with the Romans... Or maybe by driving out the Romans. Maybe they thought if they could keep all the commandments perfectly. And follow all the rules. They would be at peace. But the concept of peace with God coming through faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Not based upon the worthiness of the people. But based upon God's grace and pardon. Was as foreign an idea to the people as the Romans were. Peace with God through faith in Jesus did not compute with them, and so Jesus wept. Jesus did a few other things that week to challenge people to believe, to recognize who he was, and to come to him in faith. He overturned the tables of money changers and animal sellers because peace with God has never been found through sacrifice, sacrificing animals And Jesus was about to make the only sacrifice that would be acceptable to God to cover and remove our sin. And since the Passover celebration did not seem to be able to convey God's saving power to that generation, Jesus gave us the sacrament of Holy Communion as as a new sign of God's saving actions. The body and blood of Christ offered for us our salvation, and our peace. Somehow we knew that the story of Jesus would end with his coronation. We just didn't know that it would would not come on Palm Sunday, but rather would be the next Sunday when his tomb was found to be empty. It was empty because he was receiving a crown at that moment from his heavenly father. Amen.